Hey guys, welcome back to the Actual VR Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Mann, the owner of Actuality VR. This is a podcast where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at the VR revolution in real time with real professionals. Today, we're joined by Dustin Ballard, one of the founding partners of the national VR AR agency, Big Bonsai, where they're changing the way we work, learn, and play. Dustin is a storyteller at heart, a business guru on paper, and a friend to many. Don't forget, if you've been enjoying this and all other content we put out, to subscribe on your platform of choice. And with that said, let's go. Like a podcast uh, where I could come on and just like sit here quietly. You could. And, like, It'd Kyle be an ASMR things, podcast. And I could nod. <laughs> Dustin, thank you so much for coming, man. Oh, I really, it's my pleasure. I really appreciate you making the trip down from Nashville. Oh, it's, uh, it's it's wonderful to be in Franklin. Franklin is just absolutely gorgeous, especially this time of year. It is. And the weather's turning perfect. Perfectly nice, crispy. Yeah. Nice chill. Thus the beanie. I'm, I'm rocking the beanie today. I almost forgot I had it on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was I had, definitely cool. I had to bring a coat. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're rocking out here in Tennessee, but we, you know, I wanted to, for anybody that um, that doesn't really know the Nashville scene, um, the tech scene. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of talent. Well, I in think Nashville. the first the first surprising thing is that Nashville has a tech scene. Well, yeah, I guess it's it's not. (laughs) Let's start there. It's (laughs) not just you know country music and bachelorette parties uh, downtown. There are other things going on inside the office buildings that do not always involve the consumption of beer, but often do. Well, yeah, (laughs) at the end of the day, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's um. Well, I mean, you um. So you own Big Bonsai. You. I'm I'm one of the founding one of the founding partners. I, I get uncomfortable when you say that I own something because like. Um, one of the things that I tried to do just as, as an entrepreneur and a, and a business guy was when we founded the company, I wanted everybody who was part of the founding to be part of the company. Yes. Uh, because I can't do it without them. I don't think they can do it without me. And so we all need each other. (laughs) And, uh, also I wanted all of the developers and the artists and, and everybody who's part of Big Bonsai to benefit from the success of Big Bonsai yes. as we as we become more successful as time goes on. So, and you know, a lot of the conversations that we've had have been about corporate structure. Mm-hmm. You know, how to structure the business, how to run the company. It's it's been all really upper level conversations uh, where you've been incredibly insightful. Um, well, you've, you. you've given such wonderful advice, and you told me something before we started um, before we started rolling mm-hmm. that this was all part of your breakfast table conversation i would like i didn't ask you beforehand but i'd like could you unpack could you sure. tell us a little bit about that um this is this is one of the things i think that um you know fish don't know they're wet and and this was kind of the same thing with me as far as you know dustin doesn't know he knows anything about business because i grew up around people who uh you know ran their own businesses mm-hmm. and my dad's wife uh sharon ballard runs Enable Ventures, and she consults for small businesses all over the world. That's uh, so cool. One of her partners is at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. She's worked a lot with. Um, I better be careful because there's two big Arizona universities. I want to say it's <laughs> ASU, but it could be the other one. She's worked with a prominent university in Arizona. There we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, a, a lot with their entrepreneur program. I've gone with her to like the most depressed rural areas in Kentucky, where she's worked with small business entrepreneurs. And she is the kind of person who will ask you all the uncomfortable questions about your business mm-hmm. that you haven't thought of yet or haven't wanted to meddle with. You've because been avoiding. You, you don't actually know the answer <laughs> to it. And she'll be like, no, if you don't know this, 
you you shouldn't move forward. It doesn't yeah. matter how brilliant your product idea is. If you yeah. don't understand how your business is actually going to make money, you know, where where is your revenue going to come from? Who is your customer? You know, basic questions like that that are still sometimes super intimidating. Yeah. Especially when you're in tech and you're with a bunch of really bright guys who have gotten super excited about this amazing world-changing transformative piece of technology they've discovered or some code that they've written and somebody has to be apparently i've learned somebody <laughs> has to be the guy in the room saying hey this is awesome how do we make money doing this yes and, and can we make enough money doing this that we all get paid and and we get to turn a profit and do yes. all the other business things yeah, uh, all you the know. good things about running the business. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say all the good things. And so, you know, my dad uh, started up and sold uh, several engineering firms when he was busy oh, doing cool. all that. And Sharon was right there with him. And now Sharon, of course, is the international small business consultant. And so, you know, when we go home, you know, for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something and go visit them, our breakfast table conversation over, you know, coffee and breakfast is often, you know, hey, Sharon, I've been doing this um, what can I do to do this better? Or how am I going to handle this? Yeah. And, and sometimes I really don't enjoy those conversations because she, <laughs> she makes me face really difficult questions that I don't like the answers to, yeah. you know, like, uh, one of the ones that came up when we were first starting out, uh, there were three of us when we very first started bonsai. And, you know, I'm a terrible introvert. Uh, I'm, I'm like the most introverted you can get. <laughs> And, and I was like, Sharon, I'm, I'm really struggling with this idea of, you know, how do I hire a really charismatic salesperson who's just going to go out and handle all the interaction with the world? And she's like, you don't get to. And I'm like, but, but I don't want to. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, it's, it's you and your founders. Uh, you have to do it all. And since you're the CEO, right? Yes. That means you have to do it the most. And I'm like, I don't like this answer. I don't like this answer at all. But it's but correct it's... and I can't get around it. So I'm actually going to have to go do it. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I have reluctantly gone and done. <laughs> you know, Tim Ferriss, actually. Um, are you? Have you read any of Tim Ferriss' books at all? I don't think so. For Work Week, For Our Body, Tool, Tools of the Titans. That sounds wonderful. Yeah, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's totally marketing. Yeah, it's, it's all a marketing ploy. But oh, yeah. it's, um, you know, he has some really good. It's all about efficiency and mm -hmm. efficacy, like the difference between the two and how you run a business. To But anyway, he talks about a lot of times in decision making, the thing that you most don't want to do is the thing that you need to do. Yeah. Um, and also too, you mentioned, I, I want to go back a little bit, uh, talking to these tech companies and especially these startups where mm -hmm. they have this amazing idea mm -hmm. and a lot of them, they are amazing ideas and they can execute. But at the end of the day, you have to find a way to make money. How does this make money? And I talked to, um, you know, with some of the interns that we've had here and just the people that I've talked with a lot of, a lot of college students, mm -hmm. you know, they're smart. They, they have these great ideas and they get caught up in the the branding of a business before yeah. they think about how the business can like make money. So mm -hmm. like that's the first thing I, I I was actually talking to my wife about this too. She had a um a, a s'more gourmet s'mores business she's wanting to start. She mm -hmm. was like, Oh, I gotta get this thing and this thing and this thing. I was like, No, you need to sell. Like you need to go and talk to people. Mm -hmm. You don't need a business card to make your first sale. You don't need a website to make your first sale. Like you need to go and talk to people. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was really when you mentioned that earlier. It just popped in my head. Like that's pretty crucial <laughs> in, in the business. Like you know, to actually conduct business, you need to sell something. Um, this connects to 
to something I've run into a lot, especially as I've been fortunate enough to deal with a lot of highly technical, very experienced people who are absolutely fantastic at their specialization. Yeah. And one of the things that I've learned dealing with lots of people who are fantastic at what they do is that everybody tends to really want to stay in that space where they're an expert. Mm. If I am an expert yeah. auto mechanic, I would like to talk about engines and I want to talk about <laughs> engines and turning wrenches and, and parts suppliers. And I want to talk about the things that I really know. Yeah. And when this is something that Sharon has taught me is to drag them kicking and screaming to deal with the things they don't know about yes. that they're uncomfortable with because it's because you're not an expert, because you're not an authority, because this is scary, because this isn't something you, you know, the, the largest amounts of money you've probably dealt with are your home checkbook, yeah. you know, balancing your home finances. And when you get into business finances, it gets terrifying quickly yes, because you're dealing with a lot more. Yeah. But- the only way to become an expert at these new things is to expose yourself to them mm -hmm. and go out and do it. And you can find yourself a mentor or, you know, an advisor or just a friend who's done it before and, you know, kind of help put some training wheels on and you can go into this yeah. stuff. But you, in order to have a profitable business, you must at some point deal with it being a business. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, as much as we would, I mean, I love virtual reality. I think virtual reality is just the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, everything that comes out with VR, I, I get, you know, little kid excited and super enthusiastic so about exciting. it. I spend very little time with a headset on. Yeah. That is what yes. my team members get to do. Yeah. They get to spend time in headsets, spend time in technology, you know, spend time building new things and figuring out new stuff. I hardly ever get to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, most of my time is spent with a spreadsheet or with QuickBooks or in a meeting or on a phone call dealing with the business side of us being a business. There, uh, there's an um, agency out of Chicago, uh, Miller Creative. I've, I've done some work for them. And uh, the owner, um, Scott Miller, he, he, I was talking to him about just asking him general advice. And uh, he was on set. He's a CEO of, I mean, it's a huge agency. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of work with United. It's the reason why I've been able to work with United Airlines. Nice. And he was, um, he was talking about how he used to be involved in every step of the production process, pre-production, production, post-production. Post -production. He's like, you know, at a certain point, like you can't, like I, I can't have my hands in those things anymore. I mean, yeah. I can, I'm, I'm overseeing them, but he doesn't get to flex that creative muscle anymore because he has to focus on the thing that he's best at and mm -hmm. that's making the company money. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, kind of a realization that like, you know, as the company grows, your role may change unless you have to find out that thing that you want to do. Like, mm -hmm. what is it that you're best at? What is the thing that you are an expert at? And either decide to either double down on that and mm -hmm. choose to hire somebody or bring somebody else on who is willing, who's got their thing that they're really good at, or you need to open yourself up to learning something new or answering questions that you didn't that think of before really that are really hard. Yeah. Exactly. And I, that's, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a very critical mm -hmm. uh, part. And, go, go ahead. Oh, no, I, uh, I was going to say, I, I haven't written uh, a script or code in like 10 years. Wow. I just haven't. It, it's not a thing that happens yeah. to me anymore. And it's the same for creative stuff. You know, I used to do a lot of creative stuff and I very rarely get to do anything creative anymore. And I actually need to be careful about it because as I get more and more rusty and my, uh, yeah. my expertise in that area becomes more and more dated, mm -hmm. I need to not control creative. <clears throat> 
I need to not be dictating uh, technical decisions because I'm too far behind. Yeah, I have to recognize the expertise of the amazing and talented people that I work with and be willing to you know swallow my ego and accept this person knows more about headsets than me now because yeah. I don't wear them very much anymore. And if they tell me this is the best headset on the market, either I've hired somebody smarter than me and I should trust their judgment <laughs> uh, or I, you know, or I need to, you know, overrule them based on very little data and, you know, cross yeah. my fingers and hope that I'm right. That doesn't seem like a very good strategy. I know it typically work out well. <laughs> no, no, it seems like a recipe for failure. Um, well, you, you made a, a wonderful segue, uh, that I totally ruined earlier, but we were talking about mentorship and finding somebody oh, that you, yeah. find. you, you, I didn't know about this either, but you'd mentioned this before we started recording, but there are those resources here, like in that, like in middle Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about Absolutely. that? I'd, I'd be glad to, um, <clears throat> not an ad hashtag, not an ad, not an ad. Uh, no, this is, this is more like, more like a PSA. This is, okay. this yeah. is like the kind yeah. of thing. If you have a small business, you probably don't know about this and you should. Yeah. And so, um, we have, uh, what's called the SBDC, the small business development council council. It starts with a C definitely a C Dep- C word. Uh, I think it's, I think it's council. Yeah. Um, but it Committee? is, no, council yeah, I, th- I think it's count. If it's not yeah. council, it should be, we'll change it. <laughs> uh, it is a, it, if I remember correctly, it's a public private partnership between like federal and, uh, your local university. And okay. so the one in Murfreesboro where my house is, is a partnership between MTSU and, you know, a federal setup to yeah. create this small business development resource. And so, uh, again, I was told about this, you should go sign up with these people. I'm like, yeah. all right, I don't know who they are, but I'll go give it a shot. And so I go and sign up and, uh, SBDC, especially here in the state of Tennessee has a network of advisors. And these advisors are people who have already done what you're doing yes. and have years or decades of experience. And some of them are highly specialized. So like, for example, there is an import export specialist in Nashville. And I believe the Nashville SBDC is like a partner with the university of Tennessee. Yeah. Um, there's an import export specialist who is one of the specialists they have there. Now I don't build a physical product and import it from Singapore or wherever, but man, if you were looking at starting up a small business that needed to do that, and you've yeah. never dealt with importation or exportation of a product before, wouldn't it be great to have a free resource with years or decades of experience in that specialized industry that you could just go talk to. That's and, it's invaluable. And they could ask you all the in- uncomfortable questions and things you haven't thought of yet, you know, yeah. so that you can try to make your own your... version of the breakfast table. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't, you don't just have to happen to have that person in your life. You can yeah. actually go and, and, and seek them out and schedule time uh, to get their advice. You know, I have a, I have a lot of friends. I, I used to live in Murfreesboro. I have a lot mm-hmm. of friends that own businesses in Murfreesboro and I'm talking to you guys. You know exactly who you are. Uh, use that resource. Mm-hmm. Use that resource. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. I didn't know about it. I need to use that resource. Mm-hmm. You are my resource. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to help. Oh, like, oh, I got this complicated thing that I'm a, um, well, so there we have, uh, I didn't know about those resources and we talked to, we touched on it earlier. Nashville is, does have a tech scene. There, mm-hmm. there are a lot of very talented, um, coders and graphic designers and, um, it's not tech, but you know, there's a, we have, um, a handful of VR companies mm-hmm. and we have game developers and we have all this. So, um, a surprising amount of all of it. 
Yes. Uh, for, for a country, you know, for a, a rather a city that's, that's primarily known for like country music and, you know, bachelorette parties and entertainment. Yeah. What I think we we have been fortunate enough to have is because of country music, there's been a lot of video and yes. video entertainment. And that requires, especially as, as things have evolved, that requires more and more technical expertise. Yeah. And so those companies have been able to like amass, you know, that critical mass of technical people who can mm-hmm. do technical things. And also we have um, our rather large healthcare companies, which require a lot of coding. Yes. And a lot of, you know, billing systems and, you know, unglamorous things that are necessary in yeah. order to make All the company. All the non-sexy run. things. Exactly. Yeah. But they've, they've drawn, <clears throat> pardon me, I had to cough the same Oh, way. nicely done, That'll sir. That'll make it easier for the edit. <laughs> um, we, uh, we've drawn, you know, this critical mass of, of technical people, entertainment people and, and coders into Nashville proper. Yeah. And also this is, this is an it city. This is like a really popular destination city. Yes. And so I'll be, you know, interviewing a coder or, or talking to someone who doesn't live here. And it's been absolutely fascinating to me that it's like, yeah, we're in Nashville and like, oh, oh, Nashville. Nashville. I've, I've heard really good things about Nashville. I've been, I've been thinking about moving there and it's like, really? Okay. Great. (laughs) All right. That's that's wonderful. Let's continue discussing what that might look like, you know? And so I think we have a real opportunity, especially over the next couple of years of drawing in a, a critical mass of cutting edge talent yes. to build amazing technology coming out of Nashville, Tennessee. It would be absolutely amazing. It it's going to be. Yeah. I don't have to sure. move. Yeah. Oh, bring them here. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, um, you know, I've, we've done a lot of work with, uh, as I'm sure you have as well, with out of state uh, companies. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a little bit easier. I think we we're talking, it's a little bit easier to um, get work outside the state, but we really want to be able to keep, keep it here, keep it in Nashville, keep it in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, a part of that is like we have to be the advocates. So, you know, we have to be out there. We have to be, preaching the gospel of VR and AR, all the immersive tech. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been probably the biggest, I think the biggest challenge is that you, not only are you trying to run a company and you're going and doing your sales, but you're also having to be an advocate for the medium. So a lot of those conversations early on were, um, a lot of national companies didn't know about VR or even they did, it was just a gaming thing. So we had to have that initial conversation of, okay, it's more than, it's more than that. But I think, I think Nashville is coming around. I think they, Mm -hmm. I think we, Facebook has helped a lot with that. Oculus has helped a lot with that. As much as I hate to give them that credit, they've done, they've done a great job. Them and Samsung just promoting, just just like throwing all of the advertisements at you. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I mean, everyone, everyone that you talk to, knows that VR and AR are cool and they're the next thing. And they, right. they, they recognize on some level that they need that. Right. I need that cool factor to, to, you know, help promote my business, <clears throat> but they don't understand it. Right. And again, you know, touching back on the whole expertise thing, they're not an expert in augmented reality or virtual no. reality. They don't know what it costs. They don't know what it's good at. They don't know what it's bad at. And it's our, uh, burden to mm-hmm. to not only uh, be available to provide this service, yeah. but to educate them to be their their digital guide. Yes, as, as digital guide. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yes. Um, you could you could do any number of things because of the basis of what your company does and who you're trying to reach and the demographics you're probably trying yeah. to hit. These would be the best tools for you. Yeah. And we've also spent a lot of time and energy, uh, mostly Phil's, 
uh, <laughs> Phil Walton, for yeah. those of you, if you didn't check out his podcast, you should definitely, after this one, take a look at that Absolutely. one. Absolutely, yeah. Phil and I have been friends for like more than 10 years now, so I forget that everyone else doesn't know him. <laughs> um, but Phil has spent a lot of time and energy uh, investing in uh, Snapchat. Yes. And when he first came to me, excuse me, <clears throat> when he first came to me and said, hey, I want to work with Snapchat, I'm like, okay, first off, what's Snapchat? <laughs> and, and second, why do you want to spend time on this thing? And he showed me and I'm like, okay, Phil, I mean, yeah, if you, if you think this thing is cool <laughs> and again, it was one of those things is like, am I, am I going to rely on my own judgment or am I going to rely on the talented people that right. I work with? And I'm like, if Phil thinks this is a good idea, I don't understand what this thing is good for, <laughs> but if Phil thinks this is a good idea, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take some risk it. and we'll start fiddling with it. And it actually, it started to fill a gap for us. <clears throat> in the fill a gap, fill a gap. <laughs> what fills best it started to fill a gap for us in our in our offerings because, you know, we would have we would have a client in and we would show them all our magic tricks. Yeah, you know, this is this is the cool thing we can do with augmented reality, and this is the cool thing we can do with you know an Oculus Quest, an untethered headset, and this is the amazing thing we can do with the biggest giant headset. And then we talk to the price, and they faint. And they land on the floor. Yeah. We have a nice rug, you know, just just for that. <laughs> we throw some pillows down there occasionally, right? Because right, we know just... it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, "What do you have for a smaller price range?" Yeah. And for the first, you know, year or two that we were really doing this, we had to say, "Well, nothing." Yeah. You know, this is this is bespoke. It it is laborious. It is yeah. you know absolutely a custom experience. And so there were there were lots of clients and businesses that we would talk to that just don't have the kind of resources you need to just throw a significant chunk of money yes. at a piece of technology they don't understand that well and they're not sure what result they're going to get. Yeah. I totally I get it. I totally get yeah. that. It's, it's a perfectly reasonable position to be in. And so when Phil started working with Snap, it gave us this tremendous advantage that we didn't have to write the AR engine. Mm. All we had to do was create the content and it allowed us to build an offering that was a at the lower end of the complexity and cost scale for what we could do. Yeah. And so we had clients who previously, you know, would have had to say, gosh, that sounds great guys, you know, maybe in a couple of years yeah. uh, that we were able to offer something to them that they could get now and that they could immediately use and start seeing results from. That's, um, that was something recently that I encountered with, the same thing. So with the 360 video, obviously the technology, the cameras have gotten a lot better. Mm -hmm. um, the editing, the stitching, it's all become, and also too, just the practice of doing it for so long, it gets a lot shorter. But I realized that I was turning away business mm -hmm. and going back to when we talked about the very beginning, like this is the non-sexy part about owning a business. Like it's fun creating the content, but when, there there are times when you're going to have to solve problems. Yes. Um, and well, that was a problem. I, I would also maintain that the only time that you have real value for your customer is when, when you're solving, solving their problem. problem. And to turn somebody away for um, them not having the budget, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that they're devaluing what you're doing when they, you know, you, as a creator, you're like, well, no, it's worth it's worth this. Like, this mm -hmm. is what you this is it. But you have to, as a business owner, you have to come up with solutions and and products that you know anybody could use. And there that's there's there's strategy there. there you know, there's certain things that you can do to make sure that happens. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, that was that's a hundred percent awesome that you guys were able to to 
with with Phil's with the Snapchat because um, yeah, he talked yeah. a lot about the platform and it's mm-hmm. just a great tool set. It was totally Phil's idea, but I'm going to take credit for it. You should definitely do that. Yeah, Phil, you heard it here, folks. Good job, Phil. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the other things that we that we did want to talk about when we had a chance was startups. Yes, yeah, um, <clears throat> and uh, we've been fortunate enough the the last few months to to be doing a lot of startup work, yeah. and uh, I, I think. It was the kind of thing that it's like, okay, yeah, we can we can totally do that. We can build anything. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a VR. We can build anything to work in a VR headset. And so, you know, as more startup work uh, kept landing on our doorstep, it got me to start thinking about uh, how I think this is probably a natural evolution of VR and AR as a as a technology base. That there's enough um, acceptance of it as a as a medium. Yeah, you know, you're you, if you talk to an to an agency or or a healthcare company or what have you, they they like they get okay. I need yeah. an AR product. I need a VR presence. I need to be taking advantage of this cool, modern, amazing technology. And as it became, you know, more widely accepted, and and yeah. you know, more more in the public consciousness, more and more people begin looking at the tool and going. Uh-huh. I have the best idea ever. Yeah. I have this really cool idea and I'm going to be able to take advantage of this new technology to, you know, make a foray out into an area that I couldn't have done before this technology existed. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm going to have to build it. Yeah. And so that means they're going to have to build a startup. <laughs> and because yeah. we have expertise in building products for virtual reality and products for augmented reality, when somebody comes to us and says, Hey, I've got a startup and I want to build a prototype. We're like, well, okay, well, we build things we've never built before all the time. <laughs> you know, it's literally our business is yeah. figuring out how to make a thing that didn't exist three months ago. Yeah. And so we've been fortunate enough to to get to help out and and start trying to make that a reality. And that makes me that makes me hopeful that we're like entering a period in the in the life cycle of VR yeah. where there's going to be more and more startups going out and and trying to take advantage of the unique things that virtual reality can do that no other technology can touch yeah, and, and build new products and new processes that use that tech. That's kind of like, it's very reminiscent of when, you know, it's kind of the shift that's happening now and has been happening for quite some time with e-commerce and brick and mortar stores. Mm-hmm. It's, it's those things that like, well, Walmart, you know, a product that's sold at Walmart, they don't necessarily have the luxury to pull their product and sell directly from because Walmart will destroy them. Like there's there's a lot of a lot of negative there. So they they can't afford to move that quickly. But, you know, these newer brands that are coming out that have products and they start Mm -hmm. the company based on e-commerce and selling directly from their website or whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. they have an advantage and they eventually the idea is that they'll they'll be able to outlive and out succeed those companies that you know have a business structure completely developed or uh, surrounded a brick and, brick and mortar, mortar store, store. Yeah. so it's almost <laughs> like um we're kind of seeing that the very early stages from what you're telling me now and what i i definitely i can see happening is that these companies these new startups and when you uh, i do want to um, ask uh, a question when you say work like startups these mm-hmm. are companies that are just now in the very beginning stages of forming a company, they have the, the but they have a product or a service that they're mm-hmm. trying to sell. But they're like, hey, we don't have it yet. We they, just need a way to show it, or like what they've they've generally developed. Um, this is the the process or the product that we've developed. 
we've done, there's a lot of business that goes into this. That's what I get to specialize in. Yeah. There's a ton of business that goes into a startup. Yes. You have, it's not enough to come up with the best idea ever. Right. You can have the best idea ever. And that's, that's wonderful. That idea is great. It, yeah. It's good to be creative. It's good to be thinking about these things. Yeah. But you've got to figure out who's the customer for this idea. Hmm. Does that customer have an interest in, you know, moving to a, a way of doing things that's hopefully better? You know, yeah. is it more efficient? Is it, it, does it, does it have a lower cost? Does it give them access to a new market? You know, what problem does it solve for them yeah. to have this new idea of taking, you know, an entirely new, one or more new pieces of technology and mashing them together and making them work together in a way that nobody's ever, nobody's ever done before. Yeah. How does that solve a problem mm. for whoever your customer is? And if you can figure that out, then you have to get some very smart, very technical people, which is us, uh, to to mash all those bits together and get them working and create the code so that you can prove mm. this actually functions. Yeah. You know, when I plug A into B and B into C, it actually does the thing and yeah. it uses, you know, the VR headset to project the content and we can do this process that solves this problem for this client. I'm having to be general because yeah, yeah, there's a lot of I don't want to dig in too much it. on any, any details of anybody's <laughs> anybody's cool thing. Right. Um, but you know, you're you're using you're using you're you're building a real functioning version of your cool idea. Yeah. And and in order to have gotten that far, you've done the due diligence to figure out that this could be a business. And I, I think and hope that we will see more and more of that. Yes. Because as the headsets get better, as mm -hmm. the technology gets better, they're getting cheaper, they're yes. more powerful, they're more accessible. And there are things we can do in VR that we cannot do in the real world. And the more of those functions that we can explore and build out to solve real world business problems. That's the, that's the sweet spot for new entrepreneurs and new startups to yes. go out and build their business and create this new thing that's yeah. going to do, you know, amazing stuff for, for whatever field of business it is that you're an expert in. You, I love how you're, this is why this is so fun. I, I feel like this could, this, this podcast could be four hours long if we, if we had the time and, but there was the last three hours would just be me talking about Firefly. So, <laughs> so if we're okay with that, then I will. Well, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Come to the show after the show where we discuss Firefly. Um, so what we, um, you mentioned, um, it's almost like, well, uh, so building VR initially, mm -hmm. like is very much, a gaming thing. And we've talked oh, yeah. about this on the show before. Like mm -hmm. the, the, the idea was like, Oh, this new gaming platform. And it, it is, it's an amazing gaming, uh, platform, mm -hmm. a console device. But I think the su success of VR is not necessarily entirely dependent, but highly dependent upon the, the problems that it solves in the business arena. Absolutely. Um, as a B2B tool, as, um, you know, we're not, I don't think we're quite, unless we're talking about Snapchat or AR, it's not a mass adoption B2C solution yet. No, but I don't think it has to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, it doesn't have to be. You know, I remember, I'm, I'm just old enough to remember when my dad brought an 8086 with an amber monitor home <laughs> and, and he brought it home from work because yeah. we didn't have home PCs yet. Right. I'm, I'm old enough to remember a day <laughs> when there was not a computer in everybody's house. And, and that was, that was the first PC that I ever used yeah. because it was one dad brought home from work. Yep. Well, you know, my son is, is seven and my daughter's five and I bring a virtual reality headset home from work. 
And of course, yeah. they beg to play Beat Saber and everything else. You know, it doesn't <laughs> matter how badly the headset fits, they still want to play Beat Saber. But it's like, are they in the same parallel that right. I was in with my dad? that that pcs are now pcs are not only in everyone's home we all have one in our pocket yeah uh you know it's 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 the most you know viral spread of powerful technology (laughs) in like the history of human civilization you know (laughs) yeah um are they in that thing now where they're like oh yeah i remember when my dad brought home a vr headset from work because You know, he was working in a company and they were making these really low poly, super primitive, you know, (laughs) programs in these huge clunky headsets that stuck out like four inches from your face, you know, and they'll be joking about how how ridiculous, you know, because we talk about the old beige boxes now that weighed like 50 pounds and had to be built by an engineer. Yep. And now like you can order parts off the internet, they show to your house and you just put them together like Legos. Yeah. You know, and it's like VR will go that way. You know, it may take 20 or 30 years, right. but they're going to grow up in a world where wearing a virtual reality headset to do something is perfectly natural. Yeah. They're not going to know a world outside of one with virtual reality yeah. in it. No, those were the olden days. Those were, oh yeah, but wait, you didn't have cell phones? Yeah, that's what that'll be. You didn't have VR headsets? Exactly. You, you there, I draw a lot of parallels. The early days of VR is very much, they, they were very much, I say they were, you know, we still are in the early days of VR, but mm-hmm. uh, when I first got started in 2005, that community was very reminiscent of the old PC mm-hmm. um, era. You know, those communities, my dad was a computer science uh, engineer. So mm-hmm. he brought home a computer. I remember being there with him the mm-hmm. first time he set it up and I can still hear the dot matrix printer in the, in the, in the closet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the, um, you know, I was going to go somewhere with this. You remember when paper had little tear off strips with dots. Yeah. To be able to, in the side. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The, you you mentioned you um you know we had a parents that brought home a computer at home mm-hmm. and then you, you you're bringing the headset oh, home yeah but the point of that yeah was that the pc was a business tool yes the pc belonged at work in the office mm-hmm. and i believe that vr is going to be the same thing yeah vr everybody's going to have you know a playstation vr or you know not everybody a, a certain right, number right. of users are going to have a playstation vr or maybe People will consume it yeah, however they like to consume. maybe they're going to get an oculus quest or something yeah. like that but like the the high-end headsets and the powerful programs that solve big problems are going to be at work yes. they're going to be business oriented and we're already working on some of that hardware yeah uh, or some of that software rather for that hardware where we're getting to build tools that solve real world problems that save significant amounts of real world money for businesses yes. and we're just going to continue to apply i mean what'll happen is this is just basic economics is if i can to show that I can solve a six or seven figure problem with mm-hmm. a VR headset. You know, if you can take your company that builds widgets and by getting you to, to do part of that process in virtual reality, to pre-visualize it or pre-approve it or collaborate with remote teams, whatever it is yes. that we can build a tool to do that makes your widget manufacturing cost drop by 30%. It's a no brainer for your company to do that process and then build that tool out to license it to all of your competitors who make widgets so they yeah. can cut their costs and you can make a little bit of money by them cutting yeah. their costs. And then after the widget manufacturer does that, the next industry is going to go, well, hey, if these widget making guys can do it, 
We well, maybe we could apply these same principles to what we do, and it'll slowly move down to the to the smaller and smaller efficiencies mm-hmm. until it's become ubiquitous in the industry. You know that that everybody goes through certain processes that involve virtual immersion into a digital world to solve real world problems. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how you build a business. <laughs> you solve problems. Absolutely. Um, Dustin, I think we're out of time, man. Oh, we're, this wow, is, we I, just got started. I know, I know. But that was a that was a brilliant um, wrap up to the conversation. Oh wow, yeah. I, I didn't even know I was wrapping the up. the entire time you were talking. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, thank you so much for being on. My man. pleasure. Really, thanks. I'd love for to have me. you on again, maybe sometime. I know you're a very busy guy, but um, we can we can do a a Firefly Cowboy Bebop uh, Expanse episode where we just geek out about producer Casey. Put it in the calendar. <laughs> put it in the book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have That'd a good one, Justin. Thank, Thank you for you. coming. Guys, thank you so much for joining us for the actual VR podcast. I had a great time, and I hope you did too, talking with Dustin. You know, we, we hit a lot of things on this episode. One, you know, don't be afraid to ask the hard questions when it comes to starting your business or whatever you're doing. The thing that you need to do the most is often the thing that you don't want to do. Also, too, if, if you haven't had a chance already, you're in the Nashville area, even in your local area, go and talk to these businesses. They have these councils. These, this is a federal program where you can go and connect with a mentor. I, I just want to take a moment to thank Dustin for, for introducing that. You know, we have this platform. There's so ma- there's so much good advice out there from immersive content creators and people in the immersive tech field. Uh, you know, they don't have a platform. That's why we created this show. And don't forget, if you, if you like your audio-only podcast, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're also on Facebook and YouTube. So if you appreciate what we're doing here, you know, just shoot us a like, shoot us a comment. And guys, if you want to check out some more immersive content news, we've got the actual VR show that comes out every Monday. And we have a very special event going on right now. I'm sure you noticed the spooky background. It's Spooktober. We've got some gameplay footage where we're scaring the snot out of anyone that's never put on a headset. It's a great time. I hope you'll join us. Until next time, Have a good one.